Good morning. Welcome to another Arsenal, Totally Arsenal podcast. My name is Mornay and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hasn't been a, a good week. It seems like Arsenal have been bitten by a travel sickness bug. Five games now without an uh, away win. Uh, as we take on West Ham at the London Stadium, I was, you know, going into a kind of positive thinking. You know, finally we can get our top four run in order again. But what happened was a very flat performance, more toothless. Uh, it was a match where Samir Nazri made his debut after his, I think it was a half-year ban. It was some, I think, some doping test. But he made his debut playing in the number 10 role. And, I mean, going into that game, he was quite a handful. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, seeing or expecting somebody, you know, short of, of, of match fitness and, and things like that. But it just shows you he probably kept himself fit throughout. So he was already, you know, pulling the strings in the game early on. I think as well, there's a mistake on, or in my opinion, that, that Emre didn't go with a guy like Torreira to start. I mean, he would have maybe, you know, could have stayed on Nazi to, to eliminate his danger. Yeah, because... Uh, the game started where, we you know, from the get-go, started swarming us already. I mean, of course, it was expected being a home game, and the crowd was already, you know, up for it. Um, only, I think, from the 20th minute on, also started getting some sort of foothold in the game. But also nothing, you know, that really stands out, you know, to talk about. Uh, in, in midfield, Mark Noble and Declan Rice, you know, were formidable as a pair because they were sitting in front of the West Ham defence. And, you know, they were like sussing us out quite early on already, you know, like what style we want to play or, or the, the, the man in which we want to like push forward. And, I mean, they were snuffing out, sniffing out everything. Any, any chances that was breaking in midfield, they were picking it up. So, you know, like as the game was wearing on in that first half also already, they were all, you know, starving, Lacazette and and yeah. and I mean that was already, you know, warning signs were there, and with Nasri playing that number ten role, he was, you know, really pulling the strings because we were, we were, I mean, it was worrying having that three at the back for the back first half especially. They nobody knew who to pick up, you know, exactly because look, the holding midfielders were pushing almost like high up to try to. Yeah, compress the midfield or you know, uh, add bodies for, uh, forward, but it almost like ended up Nasri having the free run of that pitch because I mean, he was like playing like a free, like a roaming number 10 because he was all over the place left wing, right wing, going through the heart of, of our defense, you know. But you know, almost like always playing this, these clinical balls, and then and when, when the ball was on the other side of the field, when we had now chances, we were again rushing and choking our chances at goal because there were some things where we needed a more composed head. And I think Gwendozi missed a few. Yeah. Aubameyang uh, was again hesitating with the shooting because there was one chance where he was running through a goal. And that hesitation allowed Declan Rice to come in because, I mean, it seems that kid was all over the place. I mean, he just got a new contract also and you could see you know, he was really up for this game, especially. He kind of put in a Reese Oxford performance, you know, when West Ham beat Arsenal the last time at the Emirates. So, you know, that type of youngster performance, a lot of tenacity and persistence. Yeah. And then, you know, what was also worrying for me, 
and all, like, you know, sounding off alarm, alarm bells and made. For every chance that we were somehow, you know, managing to squeeze, I thought it was like, fan, like fantastic chances because Fabianski barely, you know, was worked in the first. Yeah. Uh, you know, for every chance that Arsenal created, Western were creating two to three chances. And that is, I mean, you cannot, I mean, it's not like we, you are just showing our vulnerability over and over yeah. and over. Uh, we go into the second half, no, no, but I mean, that's a very shaky no, no. Uh, we come back second half. Barely underway, Felipe Anderson gets taken out by Mustafi again <laughs> with a clumsy challenge. Uh, you know, again, needless, needless free kicks being given away in danger. Yes. And it's always, it always Mustafi, every time. If it's a penalty, it's free kicks. I think we spoke last week also about Felipe Anderson's delivery. Yes. You know, he is dangerous. I mean, he might not be a flash player or whatever, but... You can't uh, fault the guy on his, his his dead ball situations, and I think that is also a thing that, that adds momentum, or not not a momentum, but adds oomph to that that West Ham team with him with that, especially with the delivery, because you've got people like Anatovic to aim for. You got Mark Noble who's always putting his body about things like that, and and then you have also some of the defenders that are also throwing their bodies on the line when when you know going forward in like with a dead dead ball situation. So it's not like we we're asking for trouble. And and just to interrupt. Um... I think when you're playing away from home, you don't want to give needless free kicks away or, yeah. or you know, needless decisions away when 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 the crowd's going to get on your back. Because obviously the home crowd's going to be up for it and they're going to you know, rile up their team to like keep on going. So it's like Arsenal, almost they're always their worst enemy all the time. But you see, that is also something, you know, just to drift somewhat off the, the topic is that is the difference between Arsenal at home and any of the other teams at home, or the majority of the other teams at home, because we'll do that, that, you know, we, we're chanting a bit, you know, whatever, and it goes like for a five-minute burst, and then it just goes silent. Yes. Yeah, that, that people were, you know, come on, you're singing, come on, your irons, uh, that, that I'm forever blowing bubbles, and, and whatever, but uh, they keep on that, that, that whole momentum, I mean, it might sound repetitive if you're listening to it on the telly, but, I mean, they keep on, and, and it's almost like you can see that, that I mean, that sort of desire, something like that, that, that type of, uh, you want to take that players into battle with you. Yes. You know, and you know, that sort of performance. And, and, and we don't have that, that the evidence, like you mentioned. It's, we don't have that kind of interpreting atmosphere where the, the away teams like flip this crowd really on us and you start making, you start making silly mistakes. Mm. I, I know like we gave off a bit tangent, but I never remember that when Arsenal played standardly um, in 2009, where that crowd is on Arsenal's back, like the stadium was almost shaking. And also, the, yeah, the, camera, you can, the, the camera was even like vibrating in the way they were uh, stomping their feet and rocking at place. So you end up making stupid mistakes. You dive into reckless tackles or you, you, you know, you miscommunicate. And I think that's what's lacking at the evidence, like you mentioned. And I don't know if, I think we spoke about it a few weeks back also on the pod about, you know, the, the players' feet of the crowd, the crowd feet of the players. Yes. At the moment, there's that, that, that big split in that you don't have that, you know, the crowd is not really... Like, look, the minute we start dangling too long on the ball and stuff like that, you can hear that frustration. You can hear, you can actually literally hear now the moaning and groaning in the crowd when, when things are not going right, even if the scores are, are tied. But you can yeah. still hear that it sounds more like a defeatist attitude. And then you have the players again not having that confidence of, you know, taking the ball, getting the head up, going forward. Um, back to the game again. With regards to that free kick off that Mustafi gave away, Felipe Anderson decides to uh, whoops in the cross, and then cue the regular <laughs> offensive horror show. 
We failed to clear the, the free kick. Lacazette, the ball breaks out of the box. Lacazette misses the ball completely as Nasri ch challenges for the ball. Aubameyang decides to back off again. Another error. And then by the time Nasri whips in the, the, the cross, Granit Xhaka decides to give a cushion header in defense in his box. And I mean, that's only like cardinal sin for you. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the exact same words now. Cardinal sin. Because you have to header that ball, you know, either out into touch, even if it's out for a corner, but you're just getting the ball out of your box. But I mean, there's the sheer... I mean, look, I don't want us to be all like a bashing show or whatever, but uh, we're not just, you know, speaking, giving our opinion and also giving, being critical of decision-making of players. And I mean, to do something like that, to give a cushion header in your own box like that, and you're not even sure that your, your player, because I don't think that player was even, I forgot who the player was, but I don't think they were even prepared for that ball to come to them. And by the time the ball breaks, uh, the ball ping-pongs in the, in the box. And I mean, it, it allows Declan Rice to have a shot at goal. And I mean, Leno is almost like unsighted. He doesn't really see the ball till very late. That's why he ends up just, you know, shifting to one side and seeing the ball hit the back of the net. And there West Ham go 1-0 up. And now you already know this thing. You're going to start somehow shutting up shop and probably just waiting for playing the counter game. And it's not like oh, we had that same confidence in Arsenal like you had, you know, maybe two months back away. They go 1-0 down. And you know, okay, they're going to come back. It's like the performance seems really flat and there's real, no real penetration anymore. Mm. Um, Emery then decides, you know, goes into somewhat of a like a panic mode, I would say. Um, in the 54th minute already, he brings on, uh, or he makes the changes, he brings on Ramsey and Torreira for Xhaka and Mustafi, obviously. Um, to add some oomph to the attack, because we just started showing like a lack of creativity, because the, the more I was watching the game, I was just thinking, where are we going to get, you know, a goal-scoring chance? Because, yeah. I, don't like, uh, I mean, I must give props, Iwobi and Kolasinac was trying the utmost. Yes, like, From the other flank, Nothing was really coming, and I think that is where it hurts us also. It, it almost like it uh, constricts us, constricts us because Maitland Niles and us go into these blind alleys at times, and then there's like no, no, no one really doubling up or, or helping him out. So it's like he was end up getting isolated on the right and almost like overwhelmed because all of a sudden, then when we were picking up on that, they were almost like flooding that side. So he was like having to deal with one, two, three players. That, that being said, Emery then also goes into another change, tactical change. He brings on Bellerin. And of course, yeah. the team, team dynamics are changing because then he switches also now from a back three to a back four. And that, I think that's also adding to this somewhat confusion because the, by the time the, the formation gets changed, where it was the transition was way easier in that earlier part of that 22 un, unbeaten game. Yeah. Now it seems it's not like you're putting strangers every time with strangers. So you don't have that real fluidity in that defense even now because you know when it changes now from back three to back four because it's almost like it, it starts getting even tougher when we're playing like that. And and yes. then it even uh, takes the, the the creativity side even further away now because now you don't have the the guys really pushing much forward so because they're playing a more a conservative way. So. And especially now, you're chasing a game, you won down. So, you, I mean, you know it's going to be a cat and mouse game because, look, it's also off to Pellegrini because he knew the minute they took the lead, he knew, okay, now I've got control or my team has control. 
and also you to try to break us down. And all we were doing was five-yard passes back, five-yard yes. passes sideways, and nothing was going forward. We we, we, we didn't look like we were going to go score a goal at all. Like, we weren't threatening. You know, it wasn't like all hands on pump for West Ham. It was, it was, it was too easy, I feel. I mean, we did have the ball and in the, in the net in, in, yeah, in Colosina. Yeah. But why is he always offside? I mean, I don't get why. Well, I, it's a lot. I, I get that it's, 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 you know, a, a left back time to make a run, but surely you can time it better. I mean, you have space mm. out wide to come around, but to or even arc your run a bit. But it's like he's, he's running straight and he gets caught offside. And it's it's a cardinal sin, I think, also for a left back to be caught offside. I mean, He's our outlet sometimes, but I mean, you shouldn't be get, getting caught outside. That needs to be worked on. And I think also, everybody needs to start getting his team right first time. And I understand the thinkers with it, um, you know, in the second half when things are going wrong. But he needs to start getting it right first time because yeah. it's it's becoming a case now where he's expecting, you know, the, to bail out all the time and eventually it, it, it wears off. You know, I'm not saying it's luck, but yeah. it eventually wears off. But I mean, like, with regard now to the offside thing, you know, just to hop on that, but um, I think our players in general are very lazy with the, the rushing out part of the game. They love going forward, but they like none of them really watches their line. And, and that is, I think, that, that thing that separates us from something even like of watching when you watch Spurs play or you watch yeah. Liverpool play. They guys, they know they got, like, you got somebody say, like, Son. He knows he's got the speed. So once Ericsson sprays the ball across... The, the 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 field or, or, or that threads the ball through, he knows he's gonna have the run on whichever full or fullback or centre back that's there. Same with 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 Liverpool, they know once that ball gets played from midfield or sometimes even from the from, from defence when they go route one, sometimes they know for a fact they're not gonna you know hang on the shoulder of the defender. They they, yeah. will, they actually have to give the, the defender a one or two foot head start on them, but they know. By the time that ball gets lofted over, speed-wise, they're going to beat him. And that is where we're not clever enough because, look, Obama Young is somebody that over two, three hundred meters, like a yeah. sprint, he's going to beat you. But it's like we don't use that to our advantage. So, he's always, yeah, he drifts off and I think he almost like switches off somewhere with Lacazette, actually the majority of the team. And that's what just watch how many times when we play now, or it could, you could even watch probably tonight also, the team will just show uh, the defense of the opposition will just probably shift up, take one or two steps. Then they know offside was coming their way, and that is where we should be more alert because that we said with a we don't do much of that arcing runs, we don't do much of that. I mean, we were doing it, I think, in that Fulham game where we you know pulled them all over yeah. in 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 I'm talking about the Craven Cottage game. But for me, for now, it's like we're not really watching what we are doing exactly, you know, watching the game closer because that is also that match lack. Of concentration that we have at the moment, where we it's, uh, key moments like that also that can and ruin a game. Just because yeah. somebody's not watching us or alert, and we, and we don't have that. You know, I don't know. Everybody's setting his team up very. You know, like he doesn't have that that guy who has an eye for a precise part. I mean, mm. that's what that's what a bombing feeds off as well. You know, to you know be on the guy's shoulder and play it through for him and let him you know get get through on it. We don't have that. That passer in the team as well at the moment with Uzel, you know, um, being out. And I feel as well that we do need to add more speed to the team because at the moment the the opposition I feel feel feels a bit comfortable because they don't have to like you know track runners all the time. 
I mean, the point is I took, I mean, I just jotted a few points here. Uh, you know, we never really tested Fabianski. I mean, I was really expected us to, you know, give her the keeper real working over, you know, really, yes. like, you know, let him earn his, his, his wage. But I mean, we were like giving him stuff straight to the body, straight to the ground. You know, I mean, I really saw him, you know, I think the only time I really saw him like somewhat panic was that one shot where, where Gwendozi dragged the ball past the post and that was just about, oh, yes. you know, he was like scrambling across the line. But other than that, I saw, I mean, I saw no real threat from us. And the second point I just want to add was with the overloaded midfield, it seems Arsenal do not know what to do with the ball. Because look, all they uh, like we said, we're playing with two, like with Noble and, and, and Rice as holding midfielders, but they actually played like holding midfielders. They did not, yes. you know, get reckless. They did not, you know, they stuck to the, that discipline that we always won from our team. Yes. That is the sort of performance they were, were giving. And I mean, it's like when they were playing that solid, um, with that two holding mids and, and, and shielding that defense, we had no answer to it because, as I said before, all we could do was sideways pass and pass into the back and you could even hear and I mean look the away fans are one of the best of Arsenal's and I mean to hear them even breaking out in groans when you saw we did not know what to do with the ball at times like uh, you know we're some at, at, at I think they, especially the last 10 minutes or so willing to give up the ball because they knew that we were not going to come at them because they knew we're going to play the safe ball to the back or safe ball to the side yeah so, something needs to change drastically I, I don't know if it's in general, it was just that our waveform has been suffering because it's, it's almost like we're under the Wenger. I don't like to hop that, but like when we were struggling, we couldn't buy an away win last season. And now it's almost like we, we're slumping into that same um, thing at the now, like where we, we can't, you know, we, we look very shaky away from home. When in the beginning of the season, we actually looked more confident. And it was unfortunate we never found the net. It was our first. Game in the Premier League since the Man City game where we didn't score. Look, I, I personally, I wouldn't put all, like, you know, most of the stuff like on Vegas' plate because my, the fault that I sometimes have also is also these players are grown men. They are professional athletes. They should also, you know, you, you can't always, like, pamper them. Like, oh, yeah, you have to play there. You have to do this. You have to sit there. You have to attack. Or, uh, look, they're not robots. They also have to think for themselves. And I think we've got a bunch of players that also have to be, Almost like more have to be told what to do than actually, you know, put this this group of players on the field and you know work your magic. Yeah, uh, that's what. Sorry, sorry, but Man City can do that to their, their team. Spurs can do that to their team. Chelsea can. So do Liverpool, and that is what we cannot do because we have to almost like be pampered and 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 guided. And I think that is gonna. And if we can't get out of that rut, then I don't know where we're gonna end because all of a sudden Man United on our backsides and yeah. we are still, you know feeling our way through now the problem comes down to lack of leadership on the field i don't know you will see it i see it like that um, there's nobody on the field that will be like okay guys i'm gonna take charge now this is how we're gonna do it now for the next few minutes because at times the coaches can tell you set, certain amount of things right in the changing room on the field but ultimately you on the field like yeah, you yeah. said you must think for yourself and uh, you know, watching documentaries and, you know, all past players speaking, as the, uh, I think it was Henri or, or Perez or one of the players said, uh, Patrick Vieira used to, you know, when, when, when Arsenal were, you know, maybe in a, in a heated game or in a tough situation, he would just, he would take control. He'd say, like, look, coach is on the, Wenger's on the field, 
Um, we know what's going on, but this is how we're going to do this now. On the field, you give them an instruction, and that uh, they follow it, and you saw the outcome at the end of it all. But it's like at Arsenal at the moment, everybody's looking at like, okay, what must we do? Must we do this? Must we do that? What did the coach say? It's almost like no one's willing to put their hand up and say, I'm taking charge. And uh, like a worrying factor for me also, if you watch, the, especially the last month or so of matches, I mean, even in games where we've won, just look at the chances when it breaks to the opposition. Just look at the amount of times the defence argues amongst each other. Because, you know, either or, or the defence are, are crapping on the on the, the midfield of ours because nobody's picking up runners, nobody's marking, and whatever. And, you know, for, for, for a team that goes through, say, seven days or five days of, of intense training, you're not seeing that. Yeah. And at, I, I, I think it comes down to also, you know, like you mentioned, the playfulness at training as well. It's, it's, it, it needs to be cut out more be, it's because now the results aren't showing. And now you can, now you start thinking as a fan, you know, those videos they put on Instagram or on YouTube. Now you start thinking, is this the reason why? I know it's small things, but like it, they need to be focused now. They can't be laughing now. United, like you said, is on our tails and they were almost 11 points behind us. And I mean, now we're having a top four, uh, like a top five scrap now. Um, now we switch our attention to the Chelsea game is off this oh, early evening. Uh, stats don't do us any favours in this game because we've just won one game in the last 14 meetings in the league so far. Um, Clinch is a rarity for us these days. <laughs> uh, I'm th you know, trying to be confident, but Play, playing a team that has only conceded 17 goals compared to our 32 <laughs> is really worrying. Um, Chelsea's defense, I've now just, I was actually going through the last five or six games of these, and I think, I think they only lost one, and that was in Spurs. But the thing that actually shook me somewhat was when I looked at the, the average, you know, the points tally when these, uh, like Optus stats and that, their defense averages. It's like I'm just taking out the last five games. Yeah, it defends average seven point oh out of ten. Wow, and that's a back four. That is the the full back four of this. That I mean, sometimes they will maybe change one or two, but I mean, the the actual defense for the league averages seven at the moment. And I mean, I I mean, unless <laughs> we're gonna have a you know David Luiz clown show or something like that, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna really be tough because. Look, the thing is, they might not be creative uh, going forward because, look, they will, like, normally just pick off what they can. Because, look, that's why I think Sari also gets now flack in the media because they say, like, you know, it's not like watching a Mourinho 2.0 type of thing with, with his performances now. Because, yeah, like, they, 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 you know, they do the bear, and, and uh, yeah, bear necessity, and then they, you know, just go into the shell again. That's why, I mean, you see quite a few 1-0s, 2-1s, and not even they, they run. But uh, uh, what I'm trying to also add is, they are you can you know you can get to them, but it's also like we have to be clinical because they're just that moment. I mean, I know I, I, I'm sorry if I sound repetitive to the listeners about the, the being clinical, but you never know how maybe one or two goals if you know you know if it's a game. Look, it will be a tight game since it's a derby, but if you can at least get that, that a breakthrough and and maybe add to it because look, some 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 sometimes these games also bring. Chances few and far between. It's not normally going to be that open. 
But I mean, if you can at least bury one or two chances, like, uh, same with, with if you take that Liverpool game also. After we took that that lead, yeah. we also had chances, I think, prior to that, uh, or even a bit after that. But I mean, at least, you know, get that that one or two goals, and then you can maybe think, okay, now we start, you know, flooding midfield with yeah. uh, the defence, and we just start letting the uh, opponent run themselves a bit flat, or run some steam off, and then you, you know, switch your game again to attack. But for me, it's like this, this we took casual with it, the chance that we sometimes get when we should be clinical. And that is where it always, and more often than not, it comes to bite us on the backside because I think that that game with, was it the United game or the Liverpool game where the away game where I think Obama missed the chance and immediately at the other end, oh yeah, it was the Liverpool Chelsea. game. Chelsea, wasn't it Chelsea? No, no, it was the Liverpool game. Chelsea as well, I agree there. But I'm just thinking now recently, it was that Liverpool game where we, Aubameyang failed to score. I think he, he shot side netting or something like that. And then immediately at the end, Liverpool goes score. And I think, I mean, that is the thing where it really was like goals a person because you think to yourself, you know, had we gone, say, two up, you don't know how, because look, then all of a sudden that, that, that the wheels are coming off the, the opponent. Like they yeah. don't know how, how they're going to come back from this. Especially if you're at home, and you're now two down, and now you're trying to think, okay, how are we going to do this? Now we're going to have to open up even more, and then, you know, it allows you to, you know, poke even more holes in that, that thing. But we allow teams, you know, always back into a game. Like, also, if you think to the Southampton game, every time we're clawing ourselves back, we're almost like always shooting ourselves in the foot a minute or two later, something like that. The, the, the problem comes down to, it would have been one thing about defence was weak, but we were scoring. But it's like, we're missing good chances, and our defence is giving away free goals. I mean, speaking about, you know, that um, not putting chances away, but I mean, you know, Arsenal score a goal, and then defensively, they run through us. So it's like, mm. there's no balance between the two. I know previously, you know, we could score eight, teams could score five, we win eight, five, but it's like, we're doing neither here, we're neither here nor there. Because, I mean, I'd rather us, if we take the lead, you know, that even if you take that, you take a five-minute thing where you just knock the ball, you know, uh, yes. let the ball break to us like from the kickoff, let the ball break to us, and then you just play a possession game. Because you're already, it was like, luring out the, the players from the opposition out of position, uh, of, out of the uh, tactical position. But you're also letting them, you know, run themselves a bit more tired and things like that. And that is what we're not doing because... By the time we give the ball back to them or they go from the kickoff, how many times haven't we seen this season? Like when we score, you almost like know, you know, like next five or ten minutes, we are probably gonna concede. And that I mean that it breeds no confidence really in that as a team and also as a fan, if you're watching whether you're in the stadium, you're watching on TV, you feel nervous because I mean I can tell you now, I thought that that phase of mine would be over where I would like watch corners now with one eye open. Now <laughs> it's still the same. I still worry with every corner or, or free kick because either Leno comes out and misses completely, or our people are not picking up other, the opponent in the box and people are getting free headers or free shots at goal. It's going to be a very difficult game for Arsenal. We're going to have to get the, everything right today. And like I know he's on like broken records probably, but. We're going to have to take our chance and be tight at the back. Because Chelsea, you know, Hazard seems to always wiggle his way through uh, players. And with Arsenal's defence, I'm sure he was watching the Firmino tapes over and over how he ran through the team. So, 
I just hope, you know, Emre picks a, a solid back line. You know, everybody's playing in their positions. And like Paladin, right back, I think maybe uh, Koscielny and Socrates. And then, you know, have Kolasinac at left back because I don't trust the Mustafi in such perform in, in such a big game. And I mean, we need this win. And I mean, I also think, uh, you know, with, with regards to the, you know, the layout of the game, Sari will probably tell them, look, this crowd can also be easily frustrated. So if we maybe starve the home team from the ball or if we, you know, have a, a right go with them, because look, sometimes they will probably think, okay, also think uh, we're going to sit back. If we turn the tables and we actually have a great go with them in the, on their own turf and really get, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons, let that crowd also start getting on the, the team's back. Then this game was like, you know, open, you know, for us to pick them off. So that is just something where the crowd should also, you know, play their part in this game today. You know, really get that place rocking like it was at, 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 at versus like Spurs. And, you know, you know, take the game to them. Because for me, it's like we we too cautious. And I think that is where, almost like through that being over cautious, it also brings that doubt in the heads of players also. You know, like, look, we've been playing home games now at times with three holding mids. And why? So we, we cut out that, that creativity part till probably later on in the second half. I, I feel the, the way we can maybe get to this, you know, get maybe a, a, a win in this game is if we take a further out of Spurs book against Charles, you know, where they made that Jorginho, they kind of like close him off and press him so that he doesn't, you know, allow him to make those passes and control the game. Because if you close him off, the, and, he, and we saw he's not the fastest as well. I think Son took him on with blitzing pace with Aubameyang can get, you know, at them. Maybe we, we, we stand a chance. I mean, with, with with the team now, I would actually, if Aubameyang and, and, and Lacazette play, I would even let Aubameyang play as a winger. Yes. You'd actually do more damage running like it. Because for me as a centre forward, when he plays there, or even if he plays in the front two, he ends up, you know, just drifting himself out of the game or being either like the opposition will just starve him of the ball. Yeah. Like he offers them nothing coming in. Whereas... As a winger, at least you know he's going to track back. He's going to go forward. He's going to try to, you know, come inside and and give chances to other people. Because I think that is we actually hurts teams more when he comes like, when he plays out wide and he comes inside. Because for me, Lacazette is somebody that that's going to whatever chance he's going to get, he's going to have a pop a goal, and he can also hold the ball up to allow people like Iwobi or, or um, Aubameyang to get runners, you know, down the flanks. Or even Colasinach, or, or if Bellerin should play today, he's going to give that opportunity for the players out wide to come also to whoop in cross. Yeah. I just think Lacazette should spear this team and you have Aubameyang causing the damage on the flanks, either flank. Yeah, he, he will be more on the ball as well, like you mentioned. You saw how also he gave, you know, that time we played Liverpool at the Emirates, he gave that Alexander Arnold a, a tough time because yeah. he couldn't handle him. And we want the Bowiang in the game more often than not. You don't want him to be, like, you know, like you said, start at the ball and yeah. then he drifts out because then he becomes useless to the team. And yeah. if we if we can have him on the ball causing chaos all the time because then the defender has to think because he, he will run at you all the time. So if we can get that, you know, even play little one-twos with him running off as well, that, that can definitely work. And this is an important game because if Spurs beat us, I mean, Spurs, if Chelsea beat us, United can leapfrog us, and they put like what six or even more points behind between us and, and Chelsea. So, yeah. this game there's a lot riding on this game. 
So, just quick predictions. What's your take on the game? Uh, I'm going to be a bit negative, yeah. I think probably 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to actually go 2-2 because I... I mean, I'm, I know I like trying to bring some type of positivity to <clears throat> to results, like when it comes to little predictions. But, I, I mean, I don't know. There's too much at risk at the back, you know, to say, oh, yeah, we can hold a clean sheet out. Yeah, I mean, look, Murphy's law, it will probably be... With, um, get proved wrong and end up yeah, going a clean sheet today. But as I hope I said, so. yeah, but that's it. I just think we're gonna probably ship a goal or two today. And but we probably will have enough fire firepower to actually get past David Luis and then because I mean he's normally I mean but for that you know that stat I gave of the defense, he is normally the one weak link where you can actually get the chance because of his you know that being a, quite an adventurous centre back, it always tries to burst forward. Um, I, I yeah. just think we should. Be, I just think we need a result in this game because there's a lot of like you know negativity spewing from the media and stuff like that happening at the club. So it's like this is the one positive thing that needs to happen because at the moment I feel it's, you know there's a bad atmosphere at Arsenal at the moment. Yeah, that's what I want to know. So add on now since like, as we switch our attention to you know various news that. Of the club that's been now in the media, various press, like you know, electronic media or paper media, um, you know, with with the rumor of Sven Mislintat possibly leaving at the end of the season, possibly even uh, in January already, because of the, you know, he wanted that 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 sports director role, and I think the club actually wants somebody with a bit more experience in that field, and not you know somebody that comes in from a scout going into that sort of role. Um, my take on that is, I mean, of course, look, all this can be also a media spin and clickbait and stuff like that. But I just think, look, he's, he's somebody, he's a very, you know, like an alpha male type of guy. So he wants to, you know, to show what he can do on that type of level. And I mean, I don't know, maybe he could have gotten, or, you know, that sort of, uh, job, you know, to, 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 to flex his muscle somewhat more, maybe at the club. But I think yeah. the club wants to have a sort of hierarchy now, you know, where it's not like this one has, uh, like, say, 70, 80% power, this one has 20. I think they're trying to break it down now, like most clubs are. Run. I mean, that is where Salieri is somebody that, that can now, you know, give us that sort of direction because, look, he was in charge of Barca for a while. And I think that is where he knows probably what would be best maybe for Arsenal to go down that, you know, path with having a like a CEO type of role or a sports director role that, you know, overlooks the club and board matters and whatever, you know, being the middleman with that. Um, I mean, it, it would be frustrating because, look, he, so in Muslim, that he's like a gold mine for talent football. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you find Torreira... Yeah, they were all amongst out. others like the Bamiangs, the you know Dembele's, and I mean he got Lewandowski out of nowhere yeah. in Poland. So yeah. Um, also, then of the other news was like Edu rejecting that job offer that Arsenal have given him because I mean he decided then to stay in Brazil to do his work over there because he I mean I find it really shocking. I would have thought. Um, it would have been more appealing, you know, that job, you know, coming back to London again. Part of that, he was part of the Invincible. So, yeah. I thought, you know, sort of, that could have been now, 
you know, trying to get that sort of mentality back at the club. But look, he probably also sees the situation now. I wouldn't say dire, but I just think now, I think that's what was also actually hamstringing us at the moment here because people are come like seeing the club jobs are offered when they think, ah, look, we're not going to have that much money to spend or this yeah. is kind of, you know, putting a tying hands behind our back. And I think that is also something that, that also veered a lot of people away from the job after Wenger left. When they probably had the agents now, you know, you know, fish out how things are run at Arsenal. And I think as a self-sustained club, they know the money, unless it's like, you know, headfuls of money coming in. Other than that, it's now, you know, with us in the Europa League, prize money is not that much. And I think that is also that, that thing that, that turns certain people away from the club. Yeah, I think the thing about the self-sustaining thing, it's, it's a very good business model to have, especially if you want to make profits for days. But unfortunately, we're in a stage, and I think we mentioned this before, is that we can't be in that situation anymore. We need, we need some sort of initial outlay mm-hmm. and then start trying to recoup, like, you know, the return on investment in two to three years' time because we have to get in the Champions League. And at um, the moment, it doesn't look like it. Um, with regards to transfers at the moment, that Suarez, Dennis Suarez deal looks, you know, I mean, in its final stages, but of course, both teams still haggling over, you know, certain terms of the deal. I think Barcelona would like to uh, make it more of a sale than a loan, you know, even if it's an end of season sale. But I think they do want to get Suarez now off their books. Uh, only positive I see there is, look, uh, Emery has worked with with Suarez at Sevilla. Yeah. He knows, you know, what sort of player he'll have on his hands. Especially, I mean, if he should come with that sort of attitude, like you know, the, the bossa way of of doing things. You know, you saw that sort of confidence that even Cesc had at a young age. Yes, that what they taught at that La Masia. Um, as for the other the transfer news, um, I also heard the other day. I mean, of course, it's still gossip, but. Um, that Irving Lozano, he's also now being. Hey. <laughs> if but I mean that's all now. I think it's all about down to also what um what players exit the club because we also need to now start freeing up wages. I mean that can only like really freeing up wages is only going to happen anyway in the summer because I don't think we're going to offload too many in January. I know uh somebody like El Nene already has probably one foot out of the door, you know, as the whole transition period now also unfolds. Yeah, it will at least free up £55,000 a week for, to somebody. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that we um, we are overpaying on average players. I mean, I don't know if the listeners out there, you know, saw, saw um, the... There was like almost like what the players are on at the club. I mean, like, just for example, like two players, Carl Jenkinson and Mohamed um, Al combined is on like you know um, 90,000 per week between the two of them and I mean they really play a game of football so I mean if they go out you can actually put that on a solid player that can actually do a job at the club yeah because if you look at say other clubs if you are not playing like say that Carl Jenkinson amount of games then you're probably going to be earning something like 15 or 20,000 at least and I mean you're just trying to think like the, the, I think that is where the problem in the breakdown where where Gazidis was still there also. Because I think 
players were, I think we touched on it a while back, with the, our mediocre players are earning such hefty, uh, hefty salaries. That's why by the time when you really don't have need for them, you can't get rid of them. Because yeah. if you're going to try to to offload them anywhere else, you know nine out of ten times your your that the, the club they're supposed to be going to is going to tell you, look, we'll take him, but you're going to cover probably 80 or 70% of this guy's salary because we can't afford it. Because, yeah. like, you know, that that's the sort of value that other clubs hold players of, of say, Jenkinson's caliber or El Nini's caliber. But, I mean, we had this type of weird scenario or the weird setup where people were put on basics of, like, basic salary of 50000 a week at times. And and yet they don't want to pay over the odds to you know put the decent play on a top salary. Now we have a guy like Uzel who is on almost three fifty three hundred k, and now we will we'll struggle to get him off the books. Should we you know try to sell him off? And we're not using him as well. I mean, three hundred k. I mean you can split two hundred what two hundred k on a top player and a hundred k on another top player. So we logically something's not right there. And um. Just to bring this to the listeners as well, my wish list kind of signing, I think, is, uh, and it's not the expensive one, it's just Wilfred Zaha. I feel he could be, add something to the team. I mean, he's not a flashy, you know, um, breaking the bank type of player, but, you know, maybe it would be worth a, a gamble on him, you know, maybe pay 30 to 40 million on him and see what he can do. Yeah, because yeah. he still has quite a lot to prove because look after that, that transfer at Man United went kind of pear-shaped. He's still, I'm sure he wants to prove himself at, at the top six club. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think, I'm not sure if, if Everton have also been sniffing around there, at you know, to get him. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind somebody like that. Just to have a tricky winger that can, you know, draw out fouls and stuff like that, you know, in the box. I'm not, and, look, I mean, he has some sort of reputation also for theatrics or whatever. But I think we sometimes also play too much, you know, this good boy football and yeah. we get shafted with, with, you know, decisions going the other way for us, like in the penalty box and stuff like that. And I just think we need somebody that, that can make life a bit more difficult because we yes. are like too predictable. Like they already know when the ball gets to, to Iwobi or Kolasinac, all they can do is normally just cut the ball across. They're not going to take yes. the ball and go, you know, one-on-one because sometimes Iwobi tries that and he ends up getting his feet in a knot, <laughs> not knowing what he's going to do. And you get a series that always, you can see that the idea is there, but he ends up just overrunning the ball. So, yeah, I do think that would be you know, a good addition and role. And he has a Premier League physicality already. He knows what it's about mm-hmm. to play in the Premier League. So, it wouldn't harm try taking a risk there. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to wrap up the podcast now. I would like to wish all our listeners. A fantastic weekend, whether you're in icy Europe or the cold parts of the States or in the heat of Africa or South America or Australia. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. Hope the result goes away somehow. I mean, I would not mind a positive mm-hmm. result. Uh, let's keep the listenership going. Keep Help us grow. And I hope you guys have a great match, viewing match later on. Bye. Thanks, guys, for the support. And don't forget to share, share the podcast.